Hi, everybody, and welcome to Mecha Dragon, a podcast about all the geeky and nerdy stuff you love. Brought to you by Captain Geek and the Dark Nerd. I'm your Captain Will. And I'm your nerd, Jess. Today, we are talking about the 1991 film Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Bogus! <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. So, um, we will begin with a brief non-spoilery general impressions uh, and ratings section, as we normally do, although this movie is uh, quite a few years old now. But if you have not seen it, you will have the opportunity to... Uh, Get our uh, quick uh, impressions without spoilers. But uh, we have plenty to talk about uh, for this movie, including I have a number of uh, interesting uh, factoids about the movie, behind the scenes stuff, um, how certain things came to be in the movie, <laughs> some trivia uh, that I think is pretty interesting uh, that we can just kind of mention briefly in between our uh, ratings and spoiler section. And uh, I guess as we go. So... Why don't we get into it? Let's because, go. Yeah, because first we had Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which we just covered. And of course, next we'll be doing Bill and Ted Face the Music. But for Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Jess, how did you feel about this movie? What are your general impressions? Well, I think it's kind of that. I don't know how they figured it out. It's like uh, I used to have a boss whose name was Dick. And his parents, his parents actually named him Richard, but he preferred Dick and he was a dick. So I think his parents somehow knew mm. how he was going to turn out. But uh, they kind of did the same thing with the titles of these movies, because Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was pretty excellent. You know, it was the, the first of the trilogy and um, probably I'd venture to say the best so far. Hmm. But uh I so far, as of the first movie, yeah. As of the sure, first sure, one the and best. the second one, yes. <laughs> oh, um, oh, okay. I think this one was Shots a little... fired. Yeah, uh, this one was a little more bogus than uh, <laughs> Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, I felt. You know, the original... Here, I th this is not a spoiler. Uh, one of the factoids that I have is that originally the title was going to be Bill and Ted Go to Hell. Right. But I guess uh, for American audiences, they thought, that's, well... That's a bit are much. Not gonna... It's a bit yeah. much for children those days. <laughs> Even though you look at the stuff that was on TV and in movies back then, and uh, you know we're going to touch a little bit on it during this movie, and we touch. I actually think Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is a better title, though. Right. Than Bill and Ted Go to Hell. I mean, sure, they go on a romp through the afterlife, essentially, uh, which you can learn just by looking at you know, the back of the DVD case or right. any trailer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but I, I prefer Bill and Ted's bogus journey as the, yeah, as it's, the it's more fitting. It is more fitting and it fits into the, it's sort of the same, you know, kind of formula as the, the lingo the first yeah. one. Yeah. So, so you'd like this one less than the first movie. I did. Hmm. And what, what do you think are your non-spoilery reasons for that? Well, I didn't like the antagonist. He was just kind Denomalous. of anomalous. Yeah, he was just kind of flat, and I, I just didn't care for him. And then they say station, you know, throughout this movie, and station. They, yeah, and they just start saying it without any explanation as to why. 
and you don't find out until you're in the basically the third act as to what and why they keep saying station. I, you, I have a story about that, actually, but we'll we'll get yeah. into that later. And then you finally find out what station was. And remember, this was 1991. So the special effects very slightly better than uh, <laughs> Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. But they have to have the the puppets or whatever you want to call them. The puppets? The station, you know. The... Well, we'll get into that in the spoilers. Yeah, the two uh, the and things. I would not call them puppets, but but continue. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the word for them, but I, once it got to that part, you know, I was like, <laughs> oh, that's kind of stupid, and I actually kind of wasn't paying too much attention for the the climax of this film. It it, it didn't pull me in, and it wasn't as oh. exciting as the first one. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. All right. So. What about those you? Are the reason those are the re- well, I actually like this a little bit better than the first one. I Whoa. think I, I think that it's. I feel like the the story is tighter, the script is tighter. I I feel like they more fully realized the spirit of Bill and Ted in a sense in this one. You know, I felt like the 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 movie had a little more momentum as opposed to being. Like I, I like I I really enjoyed the first one. Don't get me wrong, but I felt like it felt in a way a little random in terms of where they go and what they do and and what happens and what comes out of that. Um, that's not like really a criticism of that movie. It's it, it, per se. I mean, it's so goofy. It you know it's it's fine that way. But I just feel like um, this particular one had a little bit better pacing and and a little bit uh, more momentum and it got. It got weirder. Uh, and I think I mentioned in uh, our talk about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure that one of the things that was really nice for me about that first film was how it kind of got me out of my own head and kind of like in the process of surrendering to kind of like the suspension of disbelief of just the the silliness and goofiness and ridiculousness of that movie. Right it really allowed me to kind of like let go of my present day stresses and worries and kind of just enjoy myself. And I felt that this movie did that uh, like another level higher in a okay. sense, because it I was gotcha. a little bit, a little bit, a little tiny bit more ridiculous in, in some ways. Yeah. Um, because, you know, in addition to time travel, there's also like, let's just call it afterlife travel. Mm-hmm. I mean, any, anyhow, that aspect of it, I, I appreciated. I, I do feel like, you know, maybe it was that the writers had a clearer idea of what a Bill and Ted movie would be having done one already. Like, I just feel like the uh, the Bill and Ted brand or maybe that's the wrong word, but just like the spirit of like, you know, their their formula for the franchise, I feel like was a little bit more well realized in this one, maybe. Right. Although it did definitely go above the ridiculous level from the first one. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think, I think that's definitely fair to say. And I, you know, I really enjoyed watching, uh, um, Keanu Reeves and Alex winter has built the titular bill and Ted, yeah. uh, once again, I really, uh, I really did enjoy that, uh, watching them again. And I thought the uh, addition of, uh, William Sadler, yeah, he was Reaper made things fun. <laughs> yeah, he was one of the best parts, I think. Yeah, he was he was really good. I have some factoids about him and 
and stuff too. So, okay. So other general impressions about this movie, the, you know, the, the good and the bad, like, so you kind of were getting into why you, you felt that it was more bogus than, than the first movie. And is, am I remembering correctly or getting this right when, you know, when I'm saying like you felt that it was a little too ridiculous this time? Is that kind of? Yeah, it, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I just, I just didn't, it didn't pull me in. It's like I said, the last third of the movie, by the time it got to that point, I'd kind of grown bored with it. Like the first, the first half of the movie is the best part. You know, after that, it kind of falls off, you know, in the beginning you learn about the antagonist and his evil plan to uh, do whatever it is he's going to do that we'll talk about. And uh, that part was all right. But it's like that, that scene originally, like in the opening of the movie where it starts off with Rufus and they're in the future mm-hmm. and they have those, you know, like I said, it's 1991. So they went a little overboard with those dumb costumes and outfits that everyone was wearing. Well, let's, you know, let's also uh, just be tread carefully with spoilers. So well, it's not spoilers. I'm just talking about the uh, attire. Right. You know, right. It's just like, oh, it was ridiculous, futuristic, yeah. you know, clothing yeah. nonsense. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, OK, that's just dumb. And that that's part of what was going on in the late 80s and the early 90s, you know, before. Before Terminator 2 came out in the 90s, started getting cool. (laughs) But uh, I don't know. I I just didn't feel. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to explain. I just didn't get into it. I didn't feel that the characters really did much throughout the. I don't know. So were you like sitting there watching the movie thinking, God, I hate this or. Well, I, I overall didn't like it, but I liked certain sections of it. Okay. Okay. You know, it's, it's hard to say. It's like, I enjoyed parts of it. Didn't care for other parts of it. There were a few standouts that we'll get into, but. Mm -hmm. And what about, uh, what about Bill and Ted themselves? Were they just as goofy and charming and fun as as always, despite the, they were pretty funny. There was a couple things they did in this movie that were different from the first, um, that I enjoyed, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I don't know. It just felt like a little bit more the same, but a little dumber at the same time. You know? <laughs> a little dumber. Uh, <laughs> felt about the same level of dumb to me. <laughs> but for all that, you know, a good time. All right. Well, I, I guess I would say that uh, you, you didn't say too much that's specific, which, you know, we're also in the non-spoiler section. But, you know, I would just say that it's just as goofy, if not goofier. It gets into not only like, you know, history, but mythological figures in, you know, the Grim Reaper and things like that. And actually the way that the film is set up. uh, Well, you know what? I'm going to keep that for the spoiler section. Never mind. But uh, yeah, I had a really good time. I think, like I said, I I felt like that it was it was more well written, even if it played fast and loose with more things <laughs> in reality this time i felt like it had you know maybe i missed like certain historical references in the first one but i feel like this one had more like shout outs to different things and yeah. and uh and, and little mentions and things like that uh and homages uh now, but no i i think that this is a, a marginally better movie 
and I I really enjoyed it. In fact, I'm going to give my my rating here. I'm going to give out of 10 time traveling phone booths. I'm going to have to give this one actually an eight. I, I think I gave the first really? one seven and a half. Yeah. Wow. But this one I liked a, li- a bit more. Uh, so I have to get an eight. I'd st- I'd, to me, it's definitely not a nine. Um, definitely not. I'd, I wouldn't give it an eight and a half, but I gave the first one a seven and a half and I like this one better. So I'm going to have to give it this one an eight, actually, just for the sheer strength of the the humor, the fact that it was able to, you know, pull me out of like a worrying headspace and give me some some laughs and a really good time. And, you know, the fact that I think it was actually uh, written you know, I I I think that it was better written and the story was more tightly woven than the first one. So I'm going to give it an eight. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, what about you, how many time traveling phone booths? Time traveling phone booths out of ten. I think not out of thirteen. Out of ten. Out of thirteen. <laughs> I think out of ten, I'm gonna have to kind of stick with the both critics and the audience score. Uh, as seen on Rotten Tomatoes, critics give it a 57%. Uh, the audience gives it a 56 I'm going to stay right around there. I'm going to give it a 5.5 is the way I felt about it. I think I gave the first one a 7 or 7.5. I had Wait, you're giving this one a what? Five and a half. Five and a half? Five and a half. It's I... only half a point above She Dies Tomorrow. Seriously? <laughs> See, now, know, that's not fair that's, that's our touchstone fair. for a number five yeah right there. well that one was prettier um <laughs> no like uh-huh. i said now honestly the way i normally do it is i watch the movie a week or so a week or two before we record and then i watch it again usually the day before or the morning of this recording in this one i tried watching it uh, four times. Okay. And each time I only got to about the halfway point and then either fell asleep or something came up because I wasn't trying to watch it at the proper time. So I watched the first half of this movie three times, then sat down and finally watched the whole movie once. And that was about mm-hmm. a week, about a week ago. But, uh, yeah, I never did give this a full second watch through. Maybe if I did, I'd see, uh, more of the stuff you're talking about, but just overall from what I saw in my single watch through for the first time in, I don't know, 20 years on this movie. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to go five, five and a half, five and a half. That's, I don't know, man, that we, this, I think this is our biggest difference yet on Bill and Ted's bogus journey. You're 5.5 and I give it an eight. That's that Uh, blows my mind. Even IMDB gives it a six, three. And that's, I mean, or in the word, the immortal words of Bill and Ted. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Bogus dude. Uh, there, I I would probably agree with Desson Howe of the Washington post who called it an entertaining, surreal journey that is funnier and livelier than, than the original or, Roger Ebert, I also agree with, who gave this movie three out of uh, three out of four stars. And he wrote, it's the kind of movie where you start out snickering in spite of yourself and end up actually admiring the originality that went into creating this hallucinatory slapstick. 
So uh, I agree with them. I think, you know, technically three out of four stars is 75%. That would be like seven and a half on a 10 scale. So I guess Ebert didn't quite give it the the rating that I did. Or, you know, maybe it's a 7.75. But it's more than seven and a half, which I gave Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Huh. That's how I see it. That is how I see it. But I am a little flabbergasted that we're so far apart on Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Like I said, maybe I'd need to watch it again and get in a better headspace, but... The the end of the movie, I was just I just lost interest. You know, uh, here's one factoid. Uh, the director of the first movie, Stephen Herrick, he declined to return as director because he thought it was, quote, almost a parody of a movie that was already a parody, end quote. <laughs> right. <laughs> so perhaps he felt similar to the way that you do. Yeah. Mm. But uh, all right. Well, I think this can wrap up our non-spoiler section. Uh, which was actually, a well, I was going to say more brief than normal, but no. Um, <laughs> but let's head directly into spoiler territory. So, okay, spoilers, folks, many spoilers, although we are going to start with some other uh, trivia about the movie. Yeah. And our spoilers. We don't want to ruin a movie now. that's almost 30 years old. <laughs> are we doing that math right? Yeah, almost 30 years old. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good at doing that, that math in your head. Okay, so, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a cu- couple things here. Okay, so it made at the box office almost forty million dollars, which I don't think um, is is the biggest thing we have to say. So the you know I kept looking at the name of the villain Denomalos, and I was like, is that Latin? Is that like where did they get this? And it's just so th- the movie was written by. Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, and it's just Ed Solomon spelled backwards. Oh, (laughs) very clever. During filming, Keanu Reeves collapsed in his trailer and was hospitalized with an arm infection. That sucks. An arm. Keanu Reeves, I'm glad you got better. Um, Yeah. And so uh, some of a bunch of these I'm actually getting from the IMDb uh, trivia page on the movie. Not all of them. So the guitar solo at the end before Kisses God Gave Rock and Roll to You that they do over the credits was performed by guitar legend Steve Vai. Steve Vai, yep. Are you aware of this person? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And what do you know of this person, Steve Vai? I know he's a very famous guitarist. Um, He's a three-time Grammy Award winner and was nominated 15 times. He started at the age of 18 in 1978 as a transcriptionist for Frank Zappa and played in Zappa's band until 83, 80 to yeah. 83. Uh, both, both of my brothers uh, are they're both skilled in playing guitar and drums. And Steve Vai was like one of those guys that they'd always like get the VHS videos. I think he might even had some, you know, training videos like how to, how to play guitar. And his name's just been bounced around my whole life. And, you know, he's just one of the guys, like, if you're into playing guitar, you know who that person is, you know, and you're familiar with his work. I guess he started his solo career in 83. He had he's had eight solo albums. He's recorded and toured with Alcatraz, David Lee Roth, White Snake. He's recorded with Public Image Limited, Mary J. Blige, Spinal Tap, Spinal Tap, <laughs> and Ozzy Osbourne. 
Uh, he's toured with Live Only Acts, G3, Zappa Play Zappa, and the Experience Hendrix Tour. And he was voted the 10th greatest guitarist by Guitar World Magazine. Nice. So anyways, I just uh, I just bring that up because he did not only uh, that guitar solo at the end, but he does all of the like air guitar uh, oh, really? during the movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. And, yeah, I lo- uh, you know, those air guitar riffs are very uh, they're very um, uh, prevalent They're They are prevalent. But the word I'm looking for is um, appropriate for every situation Yeah, uh, that they use them. Yeah. I like in the very beginning of the movie when uh, Rufus is doing his little class or something and he brings in the the phone booth and everyone steps out. I can't remember everyone that steps out, but the one guy that steps out is Sir James Martin. And he, <laughs> from Faith No More. Yeah, he was the guitarist from Faith No More. And it's like, oh, yeah. And they play a couple Faith No More songs throughout the movie. And I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I did like that about the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they had Jim Martin in the movie. I don't remember him. I think the original plan I read somewhere was that they're going to have uh, Tom Petty and uh, oh. Rufus uh, George Carlin was going to refer to him as Sir Thomas Petty, <laughs> which would have been cool. But I, I don't know why they didn't get him. Oh, and so what I was saying before about death, the Grim Reaper being in, in this, like the whole kind of. Uh, like underpinning of the plot where they're playing these games with him and then they win and that's how they're able to, you know, come back from death and visit him and all this stuff is like, this is actually a reference to a very famous movie by Ingmar Bergman called the seventh seal Mm -hmm. from 1957. It's black and white movie, super famous. uh, If you know anything about like film history and it's been referenced like a gazillion times, it's voted like one of the best, uh, you know, most important film, blah, blah, blah. But in this movie, The Seventh Seal, a knight of the Crusades plays chess with uh, with death for his life. And that game goes on, like, I think almost the whole movie. Huh. I've seen it, but not for a really long time. But basically, that's kind of where they got that uh, plot device and structure for that part of the movie, right? And death in this movie, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, is made up to look, you know, practically identical to the death in the seventh seal. So that's a very big uh, reference in this movie. There's also Terminator references because this actually, okay. So this movie, Bill and Ted's bogus journey came in number two at the American box office behind Terminator Two: judgment day. So these both came out in the same year. And by the way, this movie mocks the first Terminator movie in that, the evil robot duplicates of Bill and Ted think about this. They're sent back through time by the okay. villain to you. stop the real Bill and Ted from winning the battle of the bands. Gotcha. Right. Right. And when the evil Bill and Ted robots time travel uh, in the stolen time machine, they wear sunglasses. Just like gotcha. <laughs> so I didn't catch on to that because I was th- like, when I first watched this, I-, I wasn't thinking about it, but I was like, wait, why are they wearing sunglasses? Uh, at right. night. Yeah, because they don't wear them any time throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, and I mean, I guess you could say it like makes them look more evil, sort of, kind of, but uh-huh. it's it's definitely a shout-out, I think, to uh, Terminator. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, but I mean, just the fact that they're evil robots from the future come to kill Bill and Ted uh, <laughs> is something to think about. So, okay, there's a couple other ones that I wanted to mention. 
Oh, William Sadler, who is death, also plays the Englishman guy who's reacting during the Battle of Bands with his family. And those oh, he is? actors okay. are his real wife and child. Nice. Alex Winter has a double, a dual role in this movie as well. He plays the the grandma plays in his, his grandma. own personal hell. Yes. <laughs> they want to kiss. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Oh, so you know how early in the movie they're watching the the Star Trek episode arena where he's in the desert and right. he's like that's the one where he fights the Gorn, I think, and he yeah. eventually makes like the the makeshift bazooka, if you've seen that episode. Yeah, I have. But um that but mountain, like three or four different movies, like they reference that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that one's referenced a lot. But like that mountain where that episode of Star Trek was filmed is the same mountain where the evil robots bring them to kill them. Gotcha. Okay. So that's uh, interesting. The Tillman Water Reclamation Plant in Van Nuys, California, which they use in the movie to be Bill and Ted University in 2691. 1991, 2691. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. That's actually would later be used to represent another future university, university namely Starfleet Academy, oh, as featured in Star Trek The Next Generation 1992 episode The First Duty. Uh, <laughs> you said duty. <laughs> I think that's the one actually where uh, young Will Crusher uh, gets into trouble. As he is wont to do. And also in an episode of Voyager, as he is one to do. Yes. The mall with the building emporium is the same mall that Doc Brown shows Marty in Back to the Future, where they time travel. Okay. When the now you mentioned that the visual effects are a little bit better in this movie. When the evil robot Bill and Ted arrive at the Circle K, uh, you know, the same one from the first right. movie. And they try and kill the cat. Like that actually the it was a 7-Eleven that they used in that and the the circle k sign in the sky were uh cgi oh interesting they actually made a comic book version of this movie marvel did uh that was based on an earlier draft of the script so wait a second wait a second wait a second are you telling me that there's a chance that freaking bill and freaking ted could possibly be in the freaking MCU. <laughs> there could be a crossover. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it so it was it was pretty uh, popular comic, and so they commissioned a spinoff series called Bill and Ted's Excellent Comic Book. Wow! And it ran for twelve issues, featuring original stories. I'm reading from Wikipedia now, such as Death Taking a Vacation, a medieval version of Bill and Ted, Bill and Ted gaining a band manager. A return of Denomalos, an attempt to stop John Wilkes Booth, and meeting little Bill and Ted from the future. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and those little babies at the end were actually girls, by the way. Um, That'd be funny if it was like girls that are huge stars today and that was like their first role. Just little babies in Bill and Ted's bogus journey. There was a deleted sequence where the evil robot Bill and Ted use devices to recreate bill and ted's personal hells with granny preston easter bunny and colonel oats and they send them uh after the heroes i guess on earth and then bill and ted end up having to face their fears to get rid of them bill gives granny her kiss on the cheek ted calls his brother and apologizes for stealing his easter candy that was bizarre the the bunny thing yeah and both boys treat uh colonel oats with kindness and friendship rather than terror so that was a deleted thing out of the movie uh, oh, and during the seance, 
The chant that they use to send Bill and Ted spirits is actually Ed and Chris will rule the world read backwards. Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson being the movie script writers. And those two guys are actually the only two men in that scene. They're actually acting as the seance uh, people, the two men. Interesting. Uh-huh. Just a, here's a quick tidbit since we were mm-hmm. talking about the uh, babies. Uh, their names are Lauren and Candace Mead. Thank you. And uh, they are both known for a movie called Grand Canyon, which came out in 1991, which I would assume they also play small children. (laughs) I would say they're pretty much on point as far as method acting goes in that role. But anyway, we got we got one more trivia bit before we really get in depth on this movie. And this is the big one. Okay, this is happen. This is. This is about Station. Because I was thinking while I was watching this movie with these two little alien guys called Station and all they can say is Station and the people from the future say Station. Like, it's like, excellent. Right. So I'm like, how did this happen? You know, you mentioned this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I found this article about it and I'm I'm not going to read the whole article. I'm just going to summarize. But the first line of the article, just to give you a sense of what this is going to be, is what happens when you write a movie and then edit the script while drunk? <laughs> so basically what happened was they were working on the script when they were really drunk. And there was a typo where they used to have a scene that was in a police station and they forgot to remove the word station. Gotcha. Okay. And then, so here's, uh, so Ed Solomon uh, tweeted on December 9th, 2017. So the truth about this didn't come out until a few years ago. Wow. Because uh, Alex Winter said something on Twitter, like, man, people are always like on top of me about like what's going on with stations. Like he go, he said, I bow before Ed and Chris's linguistic mastery, although I never got station. And now into your people yelling it at my face all day, all over the world. And I still don't get it. So Ed Solomon (laughs) tweeted back. Yeah. And he goes, well, then I really owe you an apology. Station started as a typo. We deleted a scene, interior police station, and somehow station was left dangling. We were so crazily punched drunk. We started saying station, station in a tiny Martian voice. And it stuck. (laughs) so basically they were super drunk they made a typo they kept drunkenly saying it over and over again making each other laugh and that is the birth of station in the script and they create a character that was stupid so it was a drunken inside joke based on a typo that they found hilarious and expanded into the rest of the script. And now it's an inside joke for everybody who's seen this movie. Yeah, 5.5. 5. <laughs> That's what I give it, 5.5. 5. <laughs> but this is the same reason I'm saying it's so ridiculous that I had to just let go and have a good time. And that was the value of it for me. That's almost so. worse than Jar Jar Binks being created for a 5. Oh, let, oh no. Oh, this is... They're Mr. not nearly as they're not nearly as cringeworthy as Jar Jar. Like, oh. do you wait? Wait, no, hold on. Let, let's do. Let's. If do you a, took Jar Jar and Alf, and they made they made sweet babies, uh, that's what Station would be. That's oh god, that's yeah. the most disgusting thing I can imagine. I know. 
It's kind of a perfect mix of the two. Well, look, okay, so let let if if we're gonna have a cringe off between Jar Jar Binks and Station, you really think Station's gonna be more cringy, gonna win the cringe off? Yeah, I just hate when they have. I mean, at least Jar Jar can speak multiple languages and doesn't doesn't just say. Can he though? Doesn't just say Station. Okay, see, he he can say more than one word, I guess. Is yeah, I mean, even Hodor was a more deep. And I will. I will. Rolling character. No, I, I Jar Jar Binks is more cringeworthy than both Hodor, Hodor and Station put together. Come on. How can you? Well, I'm saying somehow... Hodor is cool, but all he can say is Hodor. This uh, is where Station the rift can only in say Station. begins. That's right. That, well... <laughs> this is where the rift begins between us. <laughs> oh, I already God. got my own podcast, bro. oh my god dude okay all right well that's that's fine so so look all right let's 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 talk about some stuff here let's talk about some stuff so okay so let's let's talk about this okay because so what do you what did you think about the inclusion of like traveling to hell and heaven and back was that too much for you is that part of why this only got you know like a five and a half actually i think for you or I think the whole hell sequence was part of the best parts of the movie. Uh, You know, we mentioned before, obviously the evil Bill and Ted robots, um, they were created by Denomalos to murder Bill and Ted because he hates them. So they were the robots sent back in time. And then they basically their job is to kill them, impersonate them and take over their lives and destroy them. Mm hmm. And it was kind of funny when they first met Bill and Ted. Oh, yeah. Pretending to be yeah. future them. Yeah. Yeah. They, because Bill and Ted are just sitting in their apartment. And then the evil Bill and Ted walk in and they're like, oh, hey, it's us from the future. What's up, Bill and Ted? <laughs> you know, <laughs> stuff like that. It was kind of funny and kind of clever the way they interacted. And then later you learn that they're here to kill them. And Bill and Ted are like, bogus, dude. I actually did not, like, I I hardly remembered anything about this movie, but I knew that they they did die. But, like, thinking about it, I was like, I think it's kind of surprising that they actually go full on and kill them. Right. You know, like, not that far into the movie. That was kind of a, I think that. I also read somewhere that um, the the studio execs were not like super happy about that idea. They thought it was like too far, but they were like, no, you know, they, they insisted. And I think it was better that they actually went that far. Yeah. And then, you know, so they finally get to the point where the evil Bill and Ted take them captive and take them out to the desert, to that uh, place you mentioned earlier from the same Star Trek mountain, the hill. And they before they get there, like they get out of the van, and that's when uh, Bill tries to fight back so they can escape. And he goes and punches evil Bill. I think he punches him in the face or something. And it's like you hear the clang, and he's like, "Oh, you're hard, dude." And that's when they like open up their stomachs and show that they're actually you know, robotic on the inside. And, and then they're all like, awesome. Awesome. That part was funny. <laughs> I love that because it's like, we're going to kill you. 
bogus. Oh, a robot's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Bill and Ted to do that. Yeah. Then they walk him up and they uh, push him off the cliff. And that's when we have our uh, sequel that you said you want to talk about of the uh, casual bigotry. Oh, well, I noticed that every time, you know, Bill and Ted do something like that, almost every time there's going to be one uh, thing I'll mention. It was like the evil Bill and Ted doing it this time. Right. Right. So it wasn't it wasn't normalizing it in a sense that like these are the characters we care about and they're just casually throwing around these slurs. Not that they did it like a whole lot in the first movie or anything. Again, I'm it was just the you one know, time. I'm finding like one, you know, thing to criticize here. But um I thought I thought it was as handled better in that sense. Uh now there was, I think, a moment where when they're in hell and Bill calls the devil the F word. Fucker. No, he calls him an F A G, you know. Right. And so that was, you know, if if there's a problematic use, you know, of it, that is it, I think. But it, generally, in terms of like how Bill and Ted behave towards the uh, the girls, the princesses, how you know that word was used, it was it was most like all the all the stuff that like you could have an issue with. You know, I think that it was all done by the evil Bill and Ted. And so to me, it wasn't problematic in that way. And again, I just I found like a couple little things in the first movie to say, well, that's a little bit problematic. It doesn't really hold up, you know, in this day and age. And if you're watching it with your kids, you might just want to like mention to them (laughs) what after those moments, you know, that happen is like, that's actually not something you should do. But like in this movie, I think you know, had even, it was even far less problematic to the extent that the first one was even problematic. Right. So that's, that's where I come down on, on this movie. Yeah. The first one, the slur was more, you know, towards the sexual aspect of it because they, they were hugging or something after they thought. Yeah. Well, it was the same way because, because they were just flailing for some way to avoid getting killed by the evil Bill and Ted. And they were like, uh, uh, but we love you even though you're doing this. And that's when they said it and then dropped them down to their deaths. Okay. I got you. Yeah. 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 So, but, but also like they really drew this distinction between the, the, the real Bill and Ted and the evil Bill and Ted in that, you know, even like Bill and Ted always are always excellent to each other and they treat other people with excellence right? <laughs> to use their terminology. No, they really do. Even the evil uh, versions of them that are there to murder them. The thing that they do against them is to say that they love them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're it's a hail Mary. Yeah. You know, but they don't stoop to uh, negativity and nastiness at any point. And that's one of the, that's one of the, I think one of the reasons that those characters resonated with people even though they're again not the sharpest tools in the shed yeah they're like they're good guys you know what i mean and uh you know even at the end when they take on you know the bill and the evil bill and ted with the good bill and ted right (laughs) like yes they end up you know uppercutting them and like you know destroying them but they're not mean about it (laughs) 
Right. <laughs> that makes sense. They're just all like having a good time at the big show. And even the evil Bill and Ted like admit at the end, they're like, I guess you got us, dude. And then like their heads go off and they explode. Yeah. And it can't even, you know, even be a crime or murder, you know, if you're killing a robot sent from the future whose only goal is to murder you, you know? Yeah. And this leads into, well, I, it, I, I think you were leading up to some points. So I don't want to. Oh, no, I was just saying, you know, that's where after they're shoved off the cliff, that's when we get introduced to death. And uh, he gives them the, the statement that the only way to come back to life is to beat him in a challenge. I love the games. that Yeah, and that turns into one of my next favorite scenes in the movie later on when they're in hell trying to escape. But we can cover that in time. All right. Yeah, I love how they pick games where it's not really skill based per se. And, and you know, and therefore they could actually win, even though compared to, you know, yeah. death, they're, they're basically idiots. Yeah. Um, so battleship battleships, the first one that was funny. Uh, <laughs> what was the second one on that? Like magnetic, like, uh, like football board or whatever. Do you know what that game was? Yeah, it was, I used to have a friend that had one. Basically you had your own football team. And you lined them up, you know, on the center of the field. And basically you just turn the thing on and the whole thing vibrates. And those things just kind of randomly run around. You know, you, you don't really have any control over it. Uh... You know, it's just like they'll just vibrate around. And if you're lucky, your quarter or your guy carrying the football will run to the i'm sure there was more that went into it but yeah so, basically it's just a so game of chance random okay that makes total sense in the yeah. theme of the games that they picked and then twister yeah which which you could argue re would require the most skill but uh but yeah. it also is you know has to do with your physical uh abilities and your flexibility so it's a little more that goes into it mm-hmm i it, yeah, I mean, it was, and of course, first, before they even get to that point, they run away from death. And uh, I thought it was clever how instead of like using some kind of like expensive effect to make them black and white ghosts in the real world, they basically had on black and white makeup and black and white clothes. Right. <laughs> like that. It didn't dis detract from the movie at all to me, but I did notice it. And I was like, oh, OK, that probably saved them like three million dollars. Oh, yeah. And I liked Dude, how every <laughs> every time they like turned their head. You hear that sound? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That part was pretty funny. And uh, of course, you know they when they did go and uh, possess was it uh, was it yeah. Ted's dad? Ted's dad and, and the the police chief. The, yeah, who were you know they're mocking their band mm -hmm. uh, during their work meeting or whatever. Which, uh, anyways, that that was funny, and I thought that those two older actors did like a great job of being like Bill and Ted for a minute. Yeah, and I <laughs> like know? I like when the dad you know, did his little riff thing. Uh, oh yeah. Was like, it was like a more classical. Guitar yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that was all fun. And then of course they, they end up getting uh, banished to hell mm -hmm. and like they even treat well, that, that part. There was the, uh, that was the seance with, yeah, they go to the seance, they go to the seance, Ryan which was put on by Ted's ex mother-in-law. 
or stepmom who is now Bill's or no Bill's. <laughs> yeah, who's now Ted's stepmom. <laughs> and like at the party where you first saw that, it was like, and then Bill's dad is just like weeping in the yeah. corner. Basically, yeah. <laughs> he's like but falling when, apart. When we were watching the seance scene, my daughter made a comment. She's like. It's kind of like Ghostbusters, except from the point of view of the ghosts. <laughs> you know, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. they do, they get captured and sucked down and sucked into hell. And I like when they're falling. Oh, yeah. Ah, no. They just scream and scream. And then they stop and look around. They're like, then they scream again. Ah. <laughs> and then they, they stop for a minute and they look at each other and they're like, what now? I don't know. <laughs> and then they just start screaming again. Yeah. And then, then the later on, they're like playing paper, scissors, rock or something like that. They play 20 questions. Yeah. I remember when in 1991 or 1992, after I saw this, this was like one of the funniest things in the whole movie for me and mm-hmm. some of my friends. It was like, are you are you mineral? Yeah. Are you a tank? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was for some reason the funniest thing to me as a kid. Yeah. I didn't get quite as much of a kick out of it now, but uh, it, was, it was still pretty funny. But um, so, yeah, then they're in hell and, you know, all of the stuff they go through in hell is like super exaggerated. But mm-hmm. I thought pretty hilarious. Yeah. And hell, the way it was designed reminded me of. Uh, oh, what's his face? Tim, 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 Tim. Guy that did Edward Scissorhands. Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Yeah, it was like Burton-esque the way they had the like the the rooms with the weird shaped doors and windows. Oh yeah. And the forced perspective and stuff, yeah. especially in the, uh, the military Academy. Yeah. I, 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 I could see that, I guess I didn't really think of Tim Burton, but that's the type of exaggerated, like production design that he would right. use like for department stuff. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I thought, I thought that was good. I would have, I think I would have liked to see that deleted scene I mentioned where they actually have to, face their fears later. Like I, I feel like that would have been nice for their character arc, but in a movie that's so freaking ridiculous, I guess not totally necessary. (laughs) I think it might've been nice. Maybe, maybe if I, if I was able to watch the deleted scene, I could, you know, sometimes like it's like good on paper, but then just the way it works out is like, eh, you understand why they cut it. Right. It could have been just simply bad for pacing too. Honestly, I don't know. Uh, I'm just I'm just spitballing here. But um, here's here's another thing that I really appreciated about this movie compared to the first one, which is I feel like I think that it it made the characters of Bill and Ted a little more clear in terms of who they were and and their connection to each other. Like I'm using maybe overly complicated words, but this movie really highlighted the fact that they're kind of the same person and they're like really bosom buddies. Really. They have one of those like really special, like for life, bro, like friendships, like especially, you know, they're always completing each other's sentences and like thinking the same things. But like in that scene where they propose to their girlfriends, right? They, they they like split up to different sides of the room or whatever and they're reading like these things that they wrote which are exactly the same except in different words right you they, know it's the same you know <laughs> pentameter like they're just paraphrased versions of themselves but you get the sense that they did write them separately well it's almost like they wrote them together but just use different words you know what i'm saying 
Yeah, yeah, but the, it was like they like, came up with one line, and the other guys, oh, I could change this word to that. So it's basically like ninety percent the same thing because you can hear them echoing together. It's pretty funny. Yeah, but the, I think there were multiple moments. So it was like that. It was like when they're falling in the pit and they play twenty questions, and he knows exactly what he's thinking after one question. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's like stuff like that. I just, I just felt like it was a little bit better written this one, and I felt. You know, I felt like that they explored the Bill and Ted friendship a little bit more. I mean, not super deep or anything. Yeah, I just it's, like, it's better written to write complete idiots. To them, yeah. Idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here's another thing that I wanted to talk about. And this is kind of looking forward to the next movie, which I have not watched yet. I think maybe you have. But um, so no spoilers for the new movie if you have seen it. But like, first of all, so okay, so they end, and I I thought I really I really loved the 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 show at the end because you know just as Bill the evil Bill and Ted come out insult the audience and are about to get you know started ruining the legacy of Bill and Ted for all time right? Yeah, someone comes up and asks them, "Where are the girls? Oh, they're hanging from the rafters. We're gonna kill them later." <laughs> yeah, she's like all right guys and it's like you know that could be taken as we're gonna give him a heck of a show with yeah. you know um you know thing at the end so but um i really like the show because if you think about it from the audience's perspective they just put on a hell of a show like yeah. first it's them being kind of like you know evil and then the actual bill and ted show up and they're like no we're bill and ted <laughs> and then you know the robot versions of them bust through the wall and it turns into this fight and then they uppercut off the evil Bill and Ted's heads, which go into the you know sky with like you know trails of sparks. Yeah, they fireworks. <laughs> punch them and make the bodies explode, you know. And then it turns into, then they're like, "Wait, we're still not good. <laughs> <laughs> what do we do?" And they all get into the phone booth and come back, you know, immediately at the same. Yeah, moment. that part was funny. They went into the future to learn how to, uh, to play you know, get good. They're like, oh, that that sixteen month intensive was excellent, or whatever yeah. they. Said. Bill comes back looking like one of the guys from ZZ Top. Yeah, I like. I don't think you can grow that beard in sixteen months. No. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm a hairy bastard, and even I can't do that. But um, you know, point being, that was a pretty cool show. And then actually, um, Steve Vai was the one. Maybe I mentioned this, who played their solo at the end, leading into right. the song the credits and so the credits though and all the like news headlines i want to talk about because that's where it gets super ridiculous um it's like oh they get super famous they tour they tour the mid-east brings peace to the mid-east <laughs> they, yeah. they play the grand canyon and then it's and then the, you know there's this like little like subplot inside all those headlines of like death is playing with them in their band, but then he goes solo, but his record flops. And so oh, what was it? They, uh, I can't remember what they called it. It was like some sort of rap that they mentioned. Like oh, the some, Reaper rap. Reaper rap is it's getting huge. It's the next big thing. Reaper rap. <laughs> the Reaper rap. So I'm surprised they didn't have, you know, like a little montage of, well, Steve, I did the Reaper rap too, just by the way. I mean, it wasn't very long or anything, um, but so then and this, I have no idea how they're going to fit into the, you know, the later movie, but they tour, they go to Mars, they go 
to Mars to play. I don't know who they're playing for at Mars, but that's a thing that I don't know how they're going to reconcile in the third movie. I mean, it's funny for the credits and everything, but wow, that's crazy. Um, and I don't know if you noticed. I don't think they uh, use any of that stuff as like canon in the third yeah. movie that they talk. Oh, about. okay, okay. Well, maybe I I actually read a, a reference to say uh, something online accidentally that said they referenced in the uh, the new movie the the Grand Canyon show. So who knows? But yeah, I don't know what they're going to do about the Mars thing. But then I don't know if you noticed, but there's a headline that says Missy is now uh, dating Denomalos. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch that. I was like, oh, okay. But all in all, I ended up appreciating the ridiculousness of it, the over-the-top, you know, goofy nature of it all, because maybe that's just what I needed right now. Yeah. You know, because I think that when I first started watching Excellent Adventure and the first time, because I watched this movie twice, I watched it like a week ago and then last night. Right. Uh, journey. But I think when I first started watching it, I think it did take me a little while to get into it, frankly. Because yeah. I, you know, I'm a lot older than I was in 1989 and 1991. And, you know, life has turned me into a cynical, bitter, you know, hollowed out version of myself, basically. Yeah, you are just a husk. Being a little hyperbolic, you know, but, but, one of, so what I one of the things I most appreciated about these movies is its ability to help me lighten up, frankly. You know, I, I think sometimes I play the role of wet blanket on this podcast, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but um I wouldn't say I, wet blanket so much as sack of wet rags. <laughs> okay, thanks. That's <laughs> that's not any better, but thanks. Um no, but I mean, it was it was a very welcome, comedic, goofy experience that, you know, although it took me a little while to get into it, once I was able to basically say to myself, OK, just dude, you have to let it go. It's it's not made to be realistic. You know, um, once I was able to do that, man, I had a good time and I really appreciated that Bill and Ted were able to bring me some small measure of joy and comfort in these trying times. So, you know, if I if I had to state, you know, the greatest, you know, value of those movies to me, it's it's that they were just simply a, a fun, goofy time that yeah, allowed a nice little escape. Happen. Yeah. Whereas you're giving this a five point five. So I'm I'm picturing you like sort of grumbling through the whole thing. Like, uh, no, like I said, I, there was I kind of like you said, it didn't really pull you in right off the bat in the beginning. And I felt the same way, you know, the first three times I watched it. Um, but I just, it didn't pull me in and it, it got me in and then held me throughout the middle. And then it just kind of petered off and I wasn't really paying that much attention. And then the end, you know, where they did the battle of the bands, that part was fun and all that. And they worked some stuff in, but just the in between the hell and that stuff, it just, but, uh, yeah, like you Asian. said, yeah, the whole station thing <laughs> and uh, when they went to heaven, uh, also we had a black God. I think that was even before. Black God? Yeah. Wasn't God the black guy? No, I don't think God was like a light at the top of the staircase. Uh, I don't remember him being personified as an no. actual person. I, I mean, maybe the, I th I was, did he use his voice once? Did he speak? 
as God? Sure. I was thinking of the the purple guy, the guy in the purple suit. Maybe. Oh, 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 no, that was just some like, you know, functionary admitting them to the room with God. Yeah, yeah, that was an actual God. He told you I wasn't really paying too much attention. (laughs) I, I see. I did find it weird that they mugged people to get in. Right. Like, wouldn't that wouldn't like the, you know, the people like the, the ticket masters or whatever standing there at heaven be like on to that? Yeah. Wouldn't you have uh, like the <laughs> the final say? It's like you can't commit a crime to get into heaven. <laughs> on the other hand, when they're standing there in front of God, they do fess up to it immediately and be like, God, we we had to mug some people to get in here. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that was kind of that was kind of funny. Yeah, but you know, at the same time, really. But um, again, you know, by that point, I was, I was just like, I was just like, whatever, you know. I'm just rolling with it at that point. So, and again, that was the the big value of the movie to me. So what? Yeah. So any other final thoughts on this? Not really. I think I pretty much covered. I mean, like I said, I'll probably have to watch it again in a better state of mind because I just never really got into it like I did the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe if I do watch it again, I'll get more of uh, all the stuff you're talking about that you really liked about it. But I, I understand where you're coming from and I see it. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't, I don't know, wasn't enough to pull me in. Yeah. I, again, not a super deep movie, but for me, the greatest things about it were just, you know, the, 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 the surreal goofiness of it. And I think it is kind of surreal. The surreal goofiness of it that just kind of allowed me to like say, fine, you know, let's not worry about realism and let's just have a good time. That was great for me. And um, and like you said, it's a perfect escape uh, today. We're recording this is November 13th, 2020. Uh, so everyone knows what's going on in uh, the United States as well world. as the rest of the world um, right now. So if you uh, need the other an escape, thing is, this might be it. <laughs> you know, another thing is the thing with Bill and Ted in this movie is they, even though, again, I mean, these guys are not geniuses, but they are very good natured and they never give up. Right. You know, they're always they're always doing their best to, uh, you know, do the right thing, even though maybe sometimes they're slightly off kilter or misguided. But, you know, that's that's a pretty decent message. And, um, you know, this movie is just a fun time. It is a surreal, you know, goofy romp with some charming characters. And there's not much more to it than that. And I'm really interested now to see the new one because... I'm really kind of wondering how they're going to treat these characters as, you know, middle-aged adults now. I mean, I think Keanu Reeves is just like a just like a hair older than we are. Right. You know, maybe like five years or something. I'm not going to look it up right now. But um, yeah, well, I, I'm really looking. It's not really a spoiler alert, but uh, this movie was 1991. Yes. And uh, the new movie came out this year in 2020 which as we said is just about 30 years. So, um, and if they were supposed to be like 18 in bogus journey, then they're like 48 or something in the new movie. Something. Yeah. They, uh, I'm just gonna let you know, they do look their age, <laughs> especially Keanu. It's like when he's in uh, John wick and stuff with his, 
his scruffy beard and stuff and his hair and his, you know, black jackets and long jackets or whatever it is he wears. He looks pretty tough and cool. And when he shaves, he looks kind of like a grandpa. <laughs> well, I'm, we'll see. We'll see. We'll be doing so uh, Bill and Ted face the music will be uh, next week. As you're listening to this, if you're listening to it the week it's released, uh, we're going to release uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music episode following week. And, of course, we're continuing with our uh, Mandalorian coverage. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I think I think we've said what we have to say about Bill and Ted's bogus journey. And I had a good time. You had a most a good time. Let's see. What is it? A most not, not, not heinous time. None. <laughs> Yeah, non, 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 non-anus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there we go. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Mecha Dragon. Please hit us up at Apple Podcasts or your choice of podcasting platform, and give us a five-star review and/or rating. That really does help the show out. I mean, what I say when I say that. And Jess, would you like to give everybody our social media details? I sure would. For those of you Facebookers. If you haven't left Facebook for Parlor yet, uh, you'll be able to find us at Mecha Dragon. And Twitter and Instagram is Mecha Dragon Show. And you're obviously listening to this podcast on your platform of choice. But let everyone you know also know that they can find us wherever they want to, as far as Anchor, Spotify, Google Play, Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Castbox, Stitcher. And uh, hopefully soon we're going to be on Amazon and Audible. So look for us there. Give us a five-star rating, uh, thumbs up, and please review us on any on all platforms. Tell all your friends. And uh, emails can go to mechadragonshow at gmail.com. And uh, we'd like to hear from you with some ideas on what you want us to pod about next. And we'll see you in the next episode. And as always... Be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes. Station! Station! Our music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0, creativecommons.org, slash licenses, slash buy, slash 3.0.